again, and we're thankful for your presence and for the for the time that we could be together. That uh, it's just really, really, really special. Um, I really hope that uh, we're all ready to dig into God's Word and and dig out what God has for us today. I'm I'm excited about it. I really am. Uh, last week I had I just enjoyed last week so much, and this week is no different. I'm very 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 excited about what God is going to show us in His Word. So. Um, it's imperative that I say something here initially, and uh, I hope that you can appreciate and understand what I'm talking about, what I'm saying. That when you stand up here and you preach God's Word, and you've known people for a very, very long time, it's very, it would be easy for me to try to, since I know y'all so well, it would be easy for me to try to find verses of Scripture that may not really apply to any of our lives. But that would be taking the easy way. And I've never been known to take the easy way. God lays something on my heart, and I, I cannot apologize for it, and I will not apologize for it. So I want you to know this. I'm not targeting anybody in this service. Now, if... What illustrations and things I say resemble your set of circumstances, I, I'm very sorry, but I'm not picking individuals out to see who I can get with the, the, the scriptures I'm using. I'm not doing that. But I'm just preaching something that I've preached for years and years and years and years, and, and God has laid this on my heart afresh Today, in fact, I got out a brand new legal pad, uh, brand spanking new, never been used, and wrote out everything fresh. Even though I've I've preached these uh, verses and and gone over this, this is years and years ago. Some of you may not even remember. It's on. It's basically kind of child training situation, and and not only that, but it expands. But uh, keep in mind, back years ago when we were over in that other building, I was preaching these things about child discipline and child training, and none of us had a clue. We all had, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and then they grew into 13, 14, 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds, and, and then they have grown up. Now, my daughter, Julie, has five children, and her oldest is 24. Uh, Rod Edwin has four children, and Brian and Leah have six children. They've all grown, and they've married, and they're no longer in our home. They have families of their own. So keep in mind, back when I was preaching this, we had no idea how these kids were going to grow up. They were hearing this, the parents hearing that. They had no, we had no idea how the, it was going to turn out. For these kids that were children then, and then they grew up and, and, and started making their decisions on their own. So the same scriptures I'll use today, I used back then. Now, some of the 
uh, I, I can just tell you this, that some of the, you know, kids that have grown up, I can just about assure you that none of them have done things just the way mother and daddy would have had them do it. I mean, do we get an amen here? I I was talking to someone on the phone and he said it kind of bothered him for a preacher to be fishing for an amen. But I I don't know. I catch myself fishing for an amen every now and then when y'all just seem to be so dead. (laughs) (laughs) But but anyway, you know, uh, but they're not going to do it the way we think they ought to do everything. And many of them have grown up and following the Lord, living for the Lord and raising their children to honor and glorify the Lord. And and so that's a wonder. They're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, according to Ephesians 6, 1. But sadly, some in that group that grew up took a different path. They've not only broken their parents' heart, but they've broken God's heart. And they probably, some of them, and I'm not, again, I'm breaking this down into categories. Some of them are not walking with the Lord at all. And then I have had reported to me, there have been one or two of that group that grew up and came through the church that have posted that they've denied uh, that there's the existence of God totally. And that really is sad. Each child has a will of their own. And they will grow up eventually, if they live that long, they'll grow up eventually and make choices on their own. And hopefully, God will guide them all along the way. Now, keep in mind Romans 14. And I'm struggling right now. I'm just going to tell you. I'm I'm just verbalizing what's going on in my mind. Turn to Romans 14. Romans 14. Do we have anyone that's just an excellent reader? Nathan, are you like to read? Did you just do you enjoy reading out loud? Anybody? Anybody? Somebody could just read a few verses, maybe half of this chapter. I want to read the whole chapter. Somebody get a mic, please, and get it over there to Mr. Day. Right over here. Well, do you mind doing that or am I putting you on the spot? Is it okay? So why don't you just start with verse one? Folks, listen to this. I want you to hear this, these scriptures, and then I'm going to emphasize a couple points in as we read it. So Nathan, go ahead. Let's just start. Read along with him and follow him. 14, right? 14.1, right. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. And keep going? Yeah, oh, yeah. We need about half the chapter. Okay. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another, who is weak, eateth herbs. Let him that eateth despise him. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth a day regardeth it unto the Lord, 
And that he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us therefore... Let us not, therefore, judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Okay, you can stop there. I think we'll just stop there. Thank you. I tell you what, you've got an excellent voice. I do apologize, and I mean this sincerely. I should have contacted somebody before, but uh, thank you. You did an excellent job. Did y'all get the, the two points? The, what I'm wanting, and again, I wanted to say in way of introduction, this is my approach to most of my sermons. This is the, uh, the way I approach preaching. I don't really feel like that we, this is my personal opinion. I do not believe we're here for uh, more information. I believe we're here for the Holy Spirit to do some work in each of our hearts. And I say all of our hearts, not just some of our hearts, but in all of our hearts. I really don't think we, most in our group, need a lot more detail and information just for information's sake. We need to see the Holy Spirit making some radical changes in our heart and in our thinking. And so, so the two things I wanted to bring out in this passage, and you can read, get, continue on, uh, it's really a powerful passage at chapter 14, but I want us to remind, be reminded all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. And that's in verse 10 and verse 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Give an account of himself to God. Now, look at 1 Corinthians, very familiar passage, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And you know the passage, it's very familiar. For Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. It shall be tested by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work what sort of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide or remains, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, take those thoughts and the Romans 14 thoughts that 
uh, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we shall give an account of himself to God and then our work once the foundation is laid, which is Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, then we have our, our lives after salvation. We have our lives that we live. And this is what I've taught and believed about this for a very, very, very long time. Nothing's changed. You have the foundation. And, and we're talking to, I'm wanting us to think about number one here, us. Don't think about the other person. Don't think about, well, they should be hearing this, or they should be doing this. Think about yourself. And it's the foundation that you have in your life, and the life you live on, uh, beyond that, that foundation of beyond salvation, you're going to build with materials. And it's going to be gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble. And God promises, His Word says, it's going to be revealed, it's going to be tested by fire. Our, what we do after salvation. <clears throat> and that's for all of us. I believe every sermon I preach, every day I live, every, my relationship with my wife, everything, it will be tested by fire. And you know what I believe is going to stand? What is gold, silver, precious stone? Whatever we do that's lined up with the Word of God. And if it's, if it's flesh, if it's anything but following in obedience the Word of God, it's going to be ashes, 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 and ashes. It's going to be burned up. Now, you do, I do believe that you can be saved as so as by fire. So you can get to heaven with no rewards. But what remains... So when we obey Scripture, when Scripture says we're supposed to do something and we obey it and we genuinely follow the Scripture, then that's going to be gold, silver, precious stone, and there's reward attached to those. But when we disobey Scripture, it's clearly there. This is what the Bible says, and we disregard it. Then it's going to be ashes and no reward. So it's, it's imperative that we get this. this. This is for all of us as individual believers. We need to be thinking about my life, my situation, my life of obedience or disobedience. And our job is to obey the Scripture and follow God's Word according to the jurisdiction that He's given each of us. And I am, and this is nothing new coming from this pulpit for me, I am a firm believer in letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. He's more than capable of bringing conviction in my life and in others' lives and he is much better at it than I am. So I believe in letting the Holy Spirit do his work and leave the results to him. So since we're in 1 Corinthians, now then let's go to another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
chapter 15. <clears throat> I want to just look at one verse in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. This is important, and young people, you, this is for all of us, as I said in the beginning. This is for everyone. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, I don't often do this, but I feel the total freedom to do this today. I'm going to tell you that I used to preach from the New American Standard. And then when Mrs. Maples brought the visitor and she had her King James and I was standing over there in the chapel with the New American Standard. And she said, uh, how do I explain to this lost person why the words are not the same? And I said, I don't know how you explain that to a lost person. So I said, I will make a change. And it was very difficult for me because I had a real hard time even reading out loud the King James. I had a real hard time. But I'm going to read something, the same verse in the New American Standard, and I want you to get it because it helps. We need to understand this verse. Do not be deceived. See, the King James says, be not deceived. New American Standard says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, the King James says evil communications. You can look that up in the Strong's and the different, and you're going to find, you're going to find what evil communications are. You know, you read that initially, you say, well, that's like they're writing letters or something. Bad, bad letters. That's not, it's bad company. And even if you dig further it's really not just bad company, but it's bad character. Bad company corrupts good morals. All right, are we all together on the same page? We all, we all get it. Do not deceive. So I'm saying, parents, do not be deceived. Bad company or evil communications corrupts. They're both use the same word, corrupts. Evil communication, bad company, corrupts good morals. So I ask the question, how can parents be deceived? So let me just list a few. I'm going to say there are too many to count. There are too many to list. But let me list a few. How can parents be deceived? Do not be deceived, the scripture says. So how can we be deceived? Let's continue on in the context and the thought of this. How can we be deceived in the fact that bad company corrupts good morals? We can be deceived when we fail to realize the power of influence on our children. We can be deceived into realizing the power of influence on our children. And I've listed several things. 
electronics, television, movies, YouTube, games, friends, relatives. Did we get that last one? Relatives. There could be certain relatives that if my children were small and little, that I would not them to be alone with. Just because they're relatives doesn't mean it's safe. Just because they're relatives, I don't want their rotten attitude being passed down to my kids. Because the scripture says, bad morals, evil communication corrupts. It corrupts. And it can have a very negative effect on a very tender, fragile heart of your child. Our decisions as parents to allow or not to allow can have long-term effects on the future of our children. We are deceived when we are not careful enough. We are deceived when we're not sensitive enough. We're deceived when, when we are not alert enough to decide to not allow certain activities or people in our children's lives. We can be deceived when we fail to decide there's certain activities and people that we do not want in, in our activities in the lives of our children. Now, we need to be reminded, and I'm not going to preach this today, but I've preached it many times, and lots of great preachers, theologians, have preached on the battle for the mind. The battle for the mind. We need to be reminded that there's a huge battle going on for our minds. And there's a battle for the minds of our children. Keep that in mind when you, when you think about allowing certain things and not allowing certain things. They're, they're, it, they're coming after the mind to, get, to go through the mind. That's why brainwashing, listen, and not to chase this rabbit, but I'm going to tell you, you get into a discussion with someone who has a liberal bent, and it is staggering to think they can think some of the things they actually believe in their heart. And how did they get there? How did they get there? It's the effect of wrong information unscriptural information being bombarded and they're getting it in their minds. It's called brainwashing. It's happening to America in a big way. <clears throat> I believe, this is my personal opinion, we must do everything we can to protect our children's minds from evil and from unscriptural influences. <clears throat> they are like tender plants. <clears throat> they should be protected long enough for them to be grounded enough to withstand the onslaught of the pressure from the world. 
And there will come a day that hopefully you've grounded them and taught them and they've been protected enough that one day they will be able to stand out there in the world. Like tender plants that are kept in a greenhouse. Even a gardener knows when it's time to let them out of the greenhouse. So parents have an awesome responsibility and a charge, I believe, from God to do everything within your power to guard and protect those tender hearts against the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So the question is, I've taught this for years and a lot more in the early days. Question comes up, should parents be responsible for selecting their children's friends? My personal opinion is absolutely yes. Ab that's my opinion. But it's, if I'm going to use this scripture, I've got to be very protective and very guarded. So I believe yes. And so you say, whew, this is a lot of work. Well, you know what? Parenting is hard work. Parenting is hard work. And we can be deceived into thinking, oh, this is not going to hurt my child. I want you to think about the scripture that says Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Picture in your mind with me, and you've all seen it, a lion stalking its prey. Can you get that in your mind? Do you see that? The lion stalking its prey. Every step is so slow and so careful not to even snap a branch gradually and then stops and freezes and gradually another step and stops and then takes another step and then finally once they get in range then they attack you see I think that's the way Satan works on our children it's all so gradual and parents that are too tired You've got, you know, all your kids. You've got all the laundry. You've got all the cooking. You've got all the work. And you're so tired. And it's so easy to let some of these things be babysitters for our children. But we don't realize we can be deceived into not realizing how much damage. Because it's, it's not like explosion, startling, like boom, you know, oh, caution, caution, caution. No, it's gradual. It's slow. It slips up on you when you least expect it. It's, it's like the illustration that we've all heard, the frog in the pan of water. Turn on the fire and the frog doesn't even realize it's about to be boiled to death. Because it's so gradual. It's so slow. Be alert, parents. Do not be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Bad company corrupts good morals. And I've just added my own like paraphrase. Bad character corrupts good character. Because that's one thing that's consistent as you read this scripture. Bad behavior corrupts 
bad behavior corrupts. It, it, you don't see it flip-flop. Like, good behavior has a big influence on the bad behavior. No, it's bad behavior corrupts good behavior. One preacher said it like this. You've heard me say this illustration before, too. Picture in your mind putting on a white glove. Perfectly white glove. Put it on, and then you have a five-gallon bucket of mushy, oozy mud. And you take that white glove, and you stick it down in the mud, and it's amazing every single time mud gets on the glove, glove doesn't get on the mud. Mud always gets on the glove. I thought I'd hear at least one amen of that. But anyway, well, I'm trying my best, y'all. I'm just kidding, trying to lighten things up a little bit. This is heavy duty. It's going to get worse. <clears throat> Listen, this is what we did early on. I just, I just asked God, I said, okay, God, here we are. What do we do? And he made it very clear. Go back to the basics. Go back to the stuff that you taught. And my wife has confirmed. She said, Rod, we've gone over so many things that have been beneficial to families. Why don't we just focus on some of that? I believe it's the parent's responsibility. It's our duty to decide who to let our children be influenced by. Now, this will scare you even at church. Even at church, parents need to be careful not to let their children have too much time with certain other children, unprotected, unguarded, unwatched. Because the influence, that influence. And if you were to ask many back years ago, I'm not saying this group here, but many of the young people back years ago, they weren't coming for the dynamic preaching. You know what they were coming for? Baseball. You know what they were coming for? It wasn't the dynamic preach. Oh, well, we're using that. We say we, but it was the volleyball and the fellowship. And I love fellowshipping. I've had Bluebell three times this week. I love it. I partied. Tin roof and Dutch chocolate. And then my wife and I have just about decided. Pralines and cream really kind of climbing up there in the top in the top three. So if you look up one day and I'm weighing, you know, 275 pounds, you'll know why. Because I'm partying. I love I love a good time. But the influence. Now, as a pastor, I, I, I hope that you can appreciate this. You're the pastor. So your children, well, of course, we live in a glass house. You understand? I mean, you can't do anything. We lived there for 19 years. But you can't do anything without people watching and noticing. You live in a glass house. Our children were expected to be friendly to everybody. And if they weren't, oh. Huh. Not talking about shunning. But we did exercise caution.
But we, need, we needed to make sure that our children knew who they could spend time with at church and who they could not spend time with at church. And that was my choice. That's what I believed was right, our choice. That's what we believed was right. Because you see the scripture, look at Proverbs 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. There's this constant pull, this constant pull. Come with us. And listen, you think that there's not some whispering going on at church? You think there's some things that, that if it was being uh, videotaped and going to be put on the screen, that they wouldn't be saying it? No, there are things said here on these grounds we know have been, and things that I'm not even going to mention. You have to be guarded everywhere you go. Be careful, not paranoid, not, you know, not scary, but just careful, alert. Watch. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Come on with us. Come on and do. We're going we're gonna to do this. And nobody's going to know. It's okay. Come on. Let's do this. Nobody will know. And it goes on and on down the scriptures. My son, if sinners entice thee. It's a very delicate balance. Because I have to ask you this question. And I'll just refer to the bad character, the person that's needy. I'll just refer to them as a mission field. Okay? A mission field. Is a mission field worth the loss of your child? We're talking about little children growing up. Is a mission field, and you say, oh, we're, we're missionaries. I'm not sent to overseas, but I am a missionary at home. And my little three-year-old, they're going to have an impact. No, I don't believe the scripture says that. The scripture says bad company, bad morals corrupt good morals. Bad character corrupts good character. That's the question. Is our child worth losing to the mission field? And so it's my belief that the parents, you all have to decide that. I mean, I decided for me and our family and us, we decided. But, but you have to decide for your family. But my belief is we are to protect our ch young children and these young tender hearts until they're old enough to be grounded enough to go on to the mission field and to have a real make a difference with the mission field. I believe that God's word gives clear warning. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. Now, you may have personal stories, and I've heard a few. And praise God for those few that your six-year-old won over. Praise the Lord for that. And that's wonderful. That's great news. Years ago, here, before this building, there was a family came, and the young man was about the same age as my son's. And he was obviously needy. 
very seemingly good family, but their son was a standout as far as needs. And so we had a family conference and talked to our, our sons. Okay, you can, you, know, you can spend a little bit of time with him, but not a lot of time. And as, time, as things went on and progressed, I could, see, I could see probably a negative effect on my own sons. And I was not pleased with that. And I, I applied the scripture, said, this, this is not working out. So I told him to pull back. I told him, pull back. And eventually, and not because we pulled back or the fam- the I didn't pull back, but I, my sons had to pull back because they were under my authority. And uh, eventually the family left and then the son in his 20s died. And I'm not going to say it was from drugs or whatever, but he died at an early age in his 20s. He had a problem. It was obvious to everyone around and parents had a responsibility to be guarded and protected. How much time and under what conditions are you going to let your children spend with those that are troubled? Our children belong to God and we are stewards of his children. I believe, and the reason I read that Romans 14, or Nathan read it, The reason we read that is because we need to be reminded that we will all give an account to God. And so we say, that's that's what Scripture says. We're all going to give an account. Well, does that mean I'm going to give an account as a parent? I'm going to give an account of the way I conduct myself with my children? I believe that's true. I believe it's in every area. It's in everything. We're going to give an account to God. According to Scripture, our children need to know that we love them as they're they're growing up. They need to be confident of our love. They need to know. I believe, look, I I am so sold on this. I am so confident in this. I know it's right. Our children need to have confidence that we love them unconditionally because they're going to grow up and they're going to do things that will not line up with the way we think it ought to be done and the way I think it ought to be done and the way I would have done it or if they were to ask me, I would have told them a different way, but they're going to do it. They need to know they're loved unconditionally. And I believe that John 13, 34, I use it all the time, but I believe it's important. A new commandment I give you. I give unto you that you love one another as, oh, this, I'm to love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And this is what's so critical. People, we've got to get this. We're to be the light and the salt. That you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. That's why I'm so opposed to fussing and fighting and bickering in the church. I'm opposed to fussing and fighting and bickering in families. A Christian family, lost family. They're looking on. They're watching you. And they're saying, well, this is how they do it. This is how Christians do it. Well, my family does a better job at that than they are. 
and they're lost. They need to see a difference. They need to see us living a different kind of life. They need to see us living unconditional love. In Ephesians 4, 22 and 32, all the way. Let's go, let's go there real fast, if you don't mind. Ephesians, you shouldn't mind. Ephesians chapter 4. Now this is this is the uh, section that talks about putting off the old man kind of things, kind of behavior. Put this off. Don't let this remain in your life. You're a Christian now. You're changed. You've 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 been converted. You belong to the Lord. Put these off. Beginning verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, that old life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, that's why we don't need more information today. We need the Holy Spirit to bring some conviction. So we will break and repent and turn away from this old behavior. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. May I just say, all of us need to know this. When there's a break, you can mark this one down. When there's a break, the more times the sun goes down, the harder it is to get back together. When there's a break, when husband and wife, my wife, I've told this many times, but I, would, I was working like 7 to 3 a.m. I'd get home around 4 a.m. And we had a rough first year. We told you all that. It was rough. And, you know, she was the one that had the, the scripture, and I, I was just a new Christian coming along. So I'd come in from work and I'd been up all day, a lot of times in court, all day, all night, come home four o'clock and I'm ready to go to bed. I'm exhausted. And she says, we've got to get this settled now. And I'd say, but look, let me go to bed. Let me get some rest and then we'll talk about it when I get up. She said, but the scripture says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. I said, honey, the sun's been down for about five hours already. The sun's been down a while. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. It's a principle. Husband and wife, you split up. The more days you're apart. And I don't, I don't think you need... The more days you're apart, the harder it is to get back together. Church family, the more there's a break, more times the sun goes down, the harder it is to get together. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither, now then, this is key. You need to highlight this. I've got to highlight in my Bible. Neither give place to the devil. 
And I'm going to show you, I believe with all my heart, when these things are remaining in our lives, we're giving place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. See, it's put off and put on. Put off the old man, put on the new man. This is the new behavior. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So stop stealing, go to work with your hands, and work a good work, and that way you'll have extra so you can give to those that really have need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edif use of edifying. In other words, stop giving bad talk, but use your mouth, your lips to edify one another, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. People are listening. People are listening. We ought to be saying words that edify and grieve not the Holy Spirit. So those are two key in that, ver in that chapter. Neither give place to the devil and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed with the day unto the day of redemption. I am convinced beyond convinced that if we don't change our behavior and we don't change our attitude and we don't put aside the old man we are giving place to the devil and we are quenching the spirit of God. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just be very frank. If that is occurring in your life, in your family, in our church and in relationships in this church, you are guilty of quenching the spirit in the church. Let all bitterness. That's such a key. People hide that bitterness, but it's there and it shows up. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice. And be, see, it's take away and add. Take away and put on. And be ye kind one to another. Be kind. Thought about being kind to each other? Tender-hearted. Let's be tender-hearted toward each other. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We're to love as we've been loved, and we're to forgive as we've been forgiven. I mean, can anybody debate that and say, I don't believe that's what it says. That's surely not what it means that I'm to forgive like I've been forgiven. A couple of years back, my wife and I, we'd had one kind of weak will. It was very weak. But we decided to get a professional will. I mean, like a real will. Because we're getting closer to the finish line. And we thought it might be good to go ahead and, and get a will written up. So we went to a lawyer in College Station. 
And uh, so, you know, he had all these things, assignments that we had to figure out, you know, who's going to be the executor and who's going to be the power of attorney, all these different things. And I would, my main question is, uh, he said, now, you know, medical power of attorney. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, basically, that's the one that's going to pull the plug. If you're in a coma and you're on life support, they're going to decide. And I told my wife, I said, now, wait a minute here. I said, let's talk about this. I want somebody that's not going to be too quick on the trigger. <laughs> do, y'all, do y'all get it? <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to be prolonged, but I don't want somebody to say, well, he's gone. Boop. <laughs> I mean, you know, give God time to work a miracle, but after 100 days have passed, you know, go ahead and pull the plug or whatever. <laughs> And you're laughing, but now the punchline. If God was as quick to pull the plug on us as we are with each other, most of us wouldn't even have need for a second service. Because we wouldn't be here. Think about it. Think about it. If God was as quick to pull the plug on relationship as we are, there'd be nobody left. If you want to discover the character of God, read 1 Corinthians 13. He's awfully patient. And listen, as I stand here before you, I'm preaching God's word. I just, I realize, I know how patient God is. And I probably in my humanity, I may not even get it all. But I'm so grateful he's not quick to pull the plug. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He forgives. Our families aren't perfect by any means. None of us. None of us. There's always plenty of room for improvement. But we've got to do our part. Let the lost. We've got to be aware. The lost are looking at our families. They're looking at our church. They're looking, they're looking from the outside in and they're saying, is this the way you conduct the Christian life? I don't want any part of it. It's it's bigger than my little problem, my little issue. I believe there are souls at stake. And each of us will give an account. You've been warned today. All of us are going to give an account for our parenting, for our relationships. The instruction we give our kids, we're going to have to guard them and protect them the best we can. We're going to need to show them unconditional love all the way through. Remember, I had that, Southwest, that professor at Southwestern Seminary, and his big thing, his big thing, and he had cancer and was dying of cancer. He eventually died soon after I gra- or didn't graduate, but I left. But um, I, that almost slipped out. I graduated. <laughs> wow. Whew. That's weird. Um, he said the most important word in the English language is relationship. Relationship. He felt like the most important word in the English language is relationship. 
You have a relationship with God the Father through faith and God the Son. Then we're saved and we're born again and we're in the body of Christ, in the family of God, and we have relationship with each other. No wonder the devil's out to do all he can to divide and conquer. I mean, can't we see it? Don't we get it? He knows how important it is to God for the church to be united, for the family to be united, for the nation to be united. Because he knows if he can get us divided, we will fall. An undivided church, an undivided family, undivided nation will be a real powerful force for Satan to reckon with. Parents, evil communications corrupt good manners. We're all accountable and we'll give an account at the Bama Seat of Christ. We live in a different day. We live in a different day. Parents with young children, we've got all the electronics and all the YouTube and all the texting. See, you, you need, as a parent, you need to monitor closely the texting that's going on in your family with your children and the music they're listening to. It all, all the bad character has, it will corrupt good character. And then when they grow up and they leave the nest, our role changes. And it's, it's, it's very real. The role changes. We can offer advice. I believe I offer advice when I'm asked. We can certainly pray and we can support and we can encourage. And we do have, my wife and I were talking about this on the way in, we do have an amazing influence over grandchildren. Amazing influence over grandchildren. They're going to grow up and they see us and we don't have to. We're not going around the parents or whatever. We stay right with the parents, but they will see they see us as support and encouragement. And we have special, special relationships with our grandchildren. Life is so short. I would encourage each of us. To encourage our children, to encourage our grandchildren, to avoid evil communications, avoid bad company. Let's seek the Lord, encourage our families to seek the Lord, because one day we'll all give an account. Oh, and I want to say one last thing in closing. This hit me late last night. You know, I'm not real necessarily big on people flooding the front but it's 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 a good thing if you do business with God because that's what we're here for and you can hear this message and you can be convicted a little bit and you just say well you know that's his opinion but I don't agree well I use scripture about loving as we've been loved and forgiving as we've been forgiven and I can tell you the only reason that any of us will walk out of here the same we came in with whatever baggage we brought in. I believe there's one main reason why we would do that. 
Because we don't fear God. And I don't say that lightly. I think because there's no change of heart, there's no change of, in our nation, and there's no change for the value of life because people don't fear God. And I say it's the same for the church. If we can hear a message and hear the word of God and know that it, we need to do something and we choose not to do something, to do whatever the Holy Spirit's convicted us to do, I don't believe we fear God enough. So let's pray. Let's pray that God will break our hearts, our stone hard hearts, and repent. Repent. I believe there's more about repentance to the saved than there is to the lost. But we need to repent. We need to confess. We need to tell God we're wrong. Admit it. And take steps to mend it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in my heart, in our hearts, that nothing, nothing that we have going on in our hearts would hinder the working of the Holy Spirit, quenching the Spirit, giving place to the devil. Because one day we're going to give an account. You remind us of that so clearly today. I pray you do a great work that we would turn to you away from self, I pray for the lost that they'd be saved before it's too late for them. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your patience with us. And we just cry out to you for mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.